Well, I know that uh, when I when I go to a live podcast show and I hear some intense uh, hashtag content, just picking up change and uh, doing flying ninja kicks in the vegan wall of death like immediately. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. Last time I was at a Pod Save America show, I definitely started uh, crowd killing, but uh, I was the only one. <laughs> I was the only one, uh, I, but that's all right. They're the Converge of podcasts. <laughs> don't say that about Converge. <laughs> I mean, Converge probably is one of the more, like, industrious hardcore bands. Like, maybe Integrity has oh, made yeah. more merch than Converge, but that's about it. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. thought you put the uh, the qual the quantity of uh, different timings they use in each song. <laughs> Very industrious. Yeah, that would make them like the the Vox, the Wonks of hardcore or something. <laughs> mathcore, mathcore is just the Wonk lanyard dipshits of punk rock. I think. Few people know that uh, Matty Glacius was actually uh, did a cameo on the first Converge record. He used to be hardline. <laughs> Yeah, he was hardline to die, man. All of his early columns are just about how we need to have jihad against the blood mouths. <laughs> you know that, that uh, you know that Converge song. Uh, Every time you justify another Clinton, it's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, that was Matty Glacius wrote that shit. Nate Silver gets a lot of credit for uh, being in botch, but it turns out he was just the bass player, kind of like skating uh, skating wait, everybody he was, else's he was story. actually in botch no, absolutely that's not. true no oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're just stuck around like wait i i feel like i'm supposed to know this and i don't know this the liberals are destroying california and conservative humor gone ray conservative humor gone awry is going to fascist fornia today so stay tuned we're going to take a few pictures of the desert and how they're Policies are actually messing it up. It's not beautiful when you go across that border. But stay tuned, guys. We'll show you exactly what. I'm Alexander Edward, and I'm Tony Boswell, and we are Minion Death Cult. Uh, the world is ending, and Tiffins are responsible. We're documenting it. Uh, what's up, everybody? We got a very fun show for everyone today. Uh, joining this episode to help make it fun are Andy and Sean from the Antifada. How you guys doing? Doing great. Good. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks so much uh, for being here. You know, you guys had us on your show uh, to talk about some Halloween mischief. Well, mm -hmm. we thought we'd repay the favor by having you on to talk about some uh, Christmas mischief. And I don't know. I don't know what better topic uh, to have you guys on for other than the Antifan who stole Christmas. So Halloween is like is it's like the opposite holidays because Antifa loves Halloween because it's mm -hmm. satanic and you get to wear something over your face and yeah. harass the elderly. You get to do destruction and, and stuff. Christmas is just the opposite because only the elderly love it. And you have to show your face unless you're uh, a yeah. drunken Santa. <laughs> and Antifa hates it because it's wholesome and promotes good family values. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I do. I do think a good move would be is like for Antifa to stop wearing like bandanas and start wearing large faux beards. Uh, that would really throw them off the off the track. I don't know where you guys are right now, but uh, we just survived 
I don't know, the 20th SantaCon the other day. And I think people have tried what you're talking about. It's not good, folks. Not good. <laughs> uh, SantaCon. There were some anarcho Santas hopping the turnstiles in New York this weekend, though. Props That's to what I was going to say. That was yeah. sick. That was super sick, yeah. I don't know. I think Antifa might be making inroads uh, to Christmas because like, even the Hallmark Channel is, is reaching out to them with gay Hallmark stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys hear about this? Have a, like, like, no. Like, I, I mean, I just sent my Hallmark card to President Trump. I hope there's nothing gay about it. <clears throat> oh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, he's gay now. Trump is gay now, thanks to you. Oh, man. There was glitter in it, and he opened it. The glitter got all over him, and he just became slightly more gay. Stuck there forever. The power <laughs> of a Christmas card that can make you gay. Thanks, Hallmark. <laughs> yeah. So what we're talking about today is a, I don't know, poem or story titled The Antifan Who Stole Christmas. I like to, per I like to refer to it as an uh, object d'art, uh, <laughs> as the French would. I don't think poem is really giving, a, giving justice to what we're about to encounter. It's a belle la tree. <laughs> it's... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was yeah, going to say prose, but that's is real much fancy better. stuff, and it's brought to us by the Boston Police Union magazine. That's like triple racist. We're all subscribers. We all, we're all subscribers. Uh, if you didn't get this particular uh, issue, definitely go into the back catalog. Uh, we have one ourselves, but it's it's a very special one. The, the pages are a little stuck together. But, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, go, in, go into your uncle's bathroom, dig behind the uh, <laughs> solvents and cleaners, and pull out Boston Police Union magazine from uh, winter 2017. <laughs> that centerfold, woof. <laughs> I mean, that's not, we're joking, but like Tony literally follows an account that's like babes in blue or what is it, Tony? Oh yeah. It's, it, it, there's, there's a few that are like hot cop accounts that I just love. And it's thick just like, blue line. Yeah. No, thick blue line is the one I'm going to make. Thick blue line. Uh, okay. Thick blue line is the one I'm going to make. And it's this whole like thing okay. where like people are blown away. They're like, not only is she uh, a cop, but she also looks good in a bikini. She can do both. <laughs> so basically, it's a magazine devoted to the K-Hive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's racist. Actually, you can't you can't call Kamala a cop anymore. Or thick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I got to shout out uh, Scott Sheddick from the Minion Death Commandos Facebook group for uh, sharing this with us. I don't know how Scott found it. Uh, but I'm so happy uh, he did. So this is the Antifan who stole Christmas. And these are like screen, screen grabs of the magazine or of the, I don't know, website. And there's, a, there's like a banner image of a Grinch-like figure wearing a Santa outfit. But instead of, um, you know, a, a regular Grinch head, it's like a paisley filter over the whole face, except for the eyes and the mouth area. So it's supposed to be a bandana over the Grinch's face, but it just looks like, I don't know, it, it looks like a scrapbook art where somebody took a paisley print and made a head, made a Grinch head out of it. This looks like my dream of a YG Christmas album. <laughs> like, and it's uh, not a black bandana, it's a red bandana. Yeah. Which is really confusing because I think they reference that Antifa wears black bandanas in in the uh, the piece. Yeah. Uh, but then also, it also says that 
their skin is green, but he appears to be completely transparent. <laughs> yeah, he's or maybe that's his skin is just like the color of the background. Also, he's got a Sturm Arbeitung uh, logo, <laughs> which is the I think that's the the SA, the the Nazi paramilitary force. Thank which you. Which is that's what Antifa so doesn't like. The opposite. Well, they are the real fascists, so yeah. you know. I was wondering what this was because it it looks like I don't know the logo looks like a cross between like the Avengers and the Incredibles or something, but apparently it's a paramilitary Nazi outfit. So, <laughs> uh, editor, top. This is like the the foreword. Editor, please excuse this hastily assembled Christmas poem, as the author has been recently diagnosed with DID (parentheses Department Induced Dementia). And erroneously commingled Dr. Seuss's Grinch Christmas story with the famous, quote, The Night Before Christmas poem by Clement Clark Moore. The author accepts no responsibility for the recitation of this pathetic poetry to the reader's minor children and or confusion related therefrom. Uh, so just going out of his way to say, uh, hey, uh, content warning, this shit sucks. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the the way that that's written, the the prose and the and the verbiage, uh, is almost it's exactly like that sort of like boomer Facebook post where it's like I will ascertain some kinetic activity, you know, like the I don't know it that just reads like very very cop cop boomer the whole no, the whole intro. It was smart though because I did try to like sue them and uh, the judge just cited this intro, and was like you got no case man you you, you you've been warned. Yeah, he has dementia. Technically, making fun of this is elder abuse. And ableist. Yeah. <laughs> Every cop down in Blueville liked Christmas a lot. But the Antifan from Cambridge, well, he certainly did not! <laughs> I think we gotta stop right there. Uh, there's a yeah. couple things. Um, first of all, Blueville. So instead of Whoville from the Grinch who stole yeah. Christmas, we have Blueville, uh, as in blue lives, but blue is still spelled with an H, like, <laughs> yeah. like Whoville. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's dementia. Lay off. <laughs> it's B-H-L-U-E, Blueville. So and this that... is so you know that it's a reference to Whoville, is because there's an H in there. Yeah, because like blue and who didn't rhyme good enough, so you had to make sure that we can see it with the way it was spelled. But this is also where the the fictional land of the of Blueville ends. After that, it's just Boston. <laughs> I can uh, I can only imagine what a, a town uh, just completely filled with uh, angry, thick-necked, roided-out uh, cops called called Blueville would look like. And I just I can only imagine what the cops of Blueville how they actually operate. It would be uh, like cop, like the copiest of the cops. It's a frightening, frightening thing. Yeah, I was trying to think about this too. Like what a, a city of just cops would be like. Probably like, like Boston. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who would man the Starbucks? Who would work at the Starbucks? Like you, they're not <laughs> well, going to be. There, there would be no Starbucks. There would be a black, uh, there would be the first like, Black Rifle Coffee Co. like uh, brick and mortar. <laughs> yeah, I just I've been led to believe that Starbucks is extremely important to cops because of how much they cry about uh, yeah. it, like when they have to wait more than five <laughs> minutes uh, to get their coffee. So, like, I can't 
do, like are they are they having to like import wor service workers to uh, harass and shoot? Is that like how this city functions? It's probably yeah. big, like Big Rock Candy Mountain, where there's just no workers and just the, the donuts grow on trees and the the, <laughs> the fountains run with coffee. I picture them, you know, instead of like Whoville, where they gather together and sing Christmas carols, it's just like a bunch of like cops in the middle of you know in the middle of the town square, like singing Drop the Murphys together. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's a bunch of cops with Punisher tattoos singing Fuck Authority by Pennywise together for some reason. <laughs> um, imagine, like, the rites of passage you have to go on in, in Blueville. Like, at the age of 13, every child has to uh, travel to the neighboring Blackville uh, <laughs> armed only with a gun, uh, a bulletproof squad car, and total legal immunity, and uh, bring back the, the scalp of an unarmed citizen or else they get uh, banished. Only. And that's what they decorate the tree with. It's one of those villages in the Nightmare Before Christmas that Jack accidentally goes to. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it for sure. So also, but, and, this and, is also a very frightening uh, episode of Rick and Morty. Oh, but you yeah. know how you know how like like the the Who's have that like upturned nose, that little like weird nose. Mm -hmm. They all just have snouts, <laughs> yeah. like for sure. What's this? What's yeah. this? There's crew cuts everywhere. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh. also we got to talk. Why is it Antifin? Why is it yeah. Antifan? I, I know. I, I was Please. I was reading this on the trade ride home for work, and I, I just kind of let that word roll around a little bit in my in my in my on my tongue, Antifin, and I realized that this is actually if you guys know the masterful canonical work known as um, Dianetics, uh, an Antifun <laughs> or body Antifuns <laughs> are what needs to be removed before you can become clear. So wow. this is you know, I, I think I I got the, the the key to this this riddle. What's wow. that therapy I, called? Clean, going clean or something? Going clear? Going clear, clear, yeah. That's when you get rid of all the antifans. <laughs> yeah, you get tased enough and they leave your body. That's what the cops are doing. They're just good Scientologists. They're tasing the, the body antifans out of you. C could you imagine like an actual like Scientologist cop? That's that's one of the worst people in the world. <laughs> yeah, is the Scientologist cop worse than the atheist cop? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. The Scientologist cop, like, definitely thinks he's even greater than normal cops. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, another trillion years before I get my pension. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Scientologist cop uh, accidentally stumbles into the wrong apartment, and it's very dimly lit, and you're eating, like, uh, I don't know, ice cream on your couch, and he shoots you in the face. But then he does that weird Tom Cruise jumping on the couch thing afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> I'm doing so well right now. <laughs> Whatever he said. Uh, okay, so, but the Antifan from Cambridge, well, he certainly did not. Okay, so the Antifan doesn't like Christmas. The Antifan hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season, parentheses. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. Bad childhood. That's pretty easy. Yeah. That's that's the whole premise of the cringe. And this is like a really good storytelling device is like, don't ask why this is happening or what this character's motivations are. <laughs> they just are. Nobody knows. It's a mystery. Yeah. It's a mystery. <laughs> yeah, except the mystery of life. 
I just watched The Grinch, um, like the one that came out last year, uh, which is pretty damn good. And like that whole story is like, you were definitely sympathetic for The Grinch the entire time. And like, why would you choose this as your story arc where it's like, in the end, are we going to be rooting for the Antifin? Like, because that's what that's what happens in the Grinch. <laughs> like that. Well, that's it's the whole combined point. with the Christmas Carol. Yeah, where that's true. At the end, the uh, the the antagonists of the Christmas Carol are just wiped away in a, a cleansing genocide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just combining the two. It could be his head wasn't screwed on too tight, or it could be his trust-funded pants were too tight. Oh, got him. I'll, I'll give him that one. <laughs> rhyming too tight with too tight. Very good. And part of the fun of, of Dr. Seuss is you can make up words and characters. <laughs> but but to, to rhyme things, like you don't need to think of a good word to rhyme. You could say, you could just like make up a character. Uh, but nope, just went with the same word twice. Yeah. yeah, you can even just like use a word that doesn't make any like use a, a, an existing word and not have it make any sense. There's no rules in Susie in writing, but they just still they they're just not that smart. They're just not that cl- uh, creative, I should say. Uh, I don't know this. Uh, have you guys ever heard the word poesy? No, no. That it's the fancy word like prose and poetry. Poesy. This could just be high art. I mean, I think the listeners really should decide for themselves before we cast aspersions <laughs> on this on this person's art. True, art is art is subjective. I like the phrase uh, "trust funded pants." I like that one. <laughs> trust funded <laughs> pants were too tight, and that's why he didn't like Christmas. Yeah, I, but I know what I know what they're talking about. It's he, he got a big dick. He's got that antique dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the most likely reason of all was the fact that Antifans have only one ball. As in football, or baseball, or basketball, comma, space, dot, dot, dot. I mean, and Antifans, like Grinches, have skin colored green. So, yeah, like. You mentioned the the pants are too tight, maybe implying like a good package, mm-hmm. and then obviously that's what this person was thinking too, because they go right to the one ball testicles, yeah, um, which is another reference to Hitler, another reference <laughs> to how Antifa or yeah. Hitler, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Also, all of those sports, you only need one ball. Like, you'll be perfectly happy with one of those balls to play any of those sports. Yeah, yeah. I don't know I don't why only having it's... one ball wouldn't make those sports work. I think maybe it's because like like Lance Armstrong is low key uh, a conservative or loves cops. I don't know. They don't want to like bash him. Oh. I don't uh, know I... if he is or not, but he probably is. He's a white guy in Texas. He probably is a a lamo. It's all it's it's very different difficult to get into the mind of a cop. But I think part of why we're going through this process together, trying to get clear on this, is because we, we want to know. We want to know what's inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I just like this. I think this is a very funny joke. Uh, I think that the most likely reason of all was the fact that Antifans have only one ball. As in football, or baseball, or basketball, I mean. Come on. I didn't mean the other kind of Get ball. Get it? Get it? Not testicles. Like... 
maybe it really is for their kids. Yeah, this is uh, it's it's intensely cringe. It does remind me of like what an adult thinks childish humor is. Yeah, it just it reminds me of like uh, our our boy Terrence saying about that uh, Asian New York Times reporter. He didn't know if she was Chinese, Japanese, or crazy niece. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a joke that just like doesn't make sense. Like it's it's no. obviously like a, a bad joke in all respects, but it just also just doesn't make sense. No. And should stop in fourth grade. I like how they brought up skin color right yeah. away too. Like they had to bring up skin color, but it's green, so that's like a hypothetical. So it's not actually racist. I mean, you shouldn't care even if somebody's skin is green. Like I don't care if you're black, uh, white, purple, or green. I don't see any of that stuff. The uh, bigotry the- in this in this poem seems to be purely geographic. They just really. I assume they're talking about like the rich neighbors neighborhoods of Boston, like I, Cambridge. Does that mean they're students? And then they they mention these other neighborhoods later on. But it seems there seems to be like an anti-intellectual, maybe anti-elitist slant. Like yeah. maybe this was originally written on the chalkboard of MIT by a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> like Goodwill Hunting, but if yes. Goodwill Hunting featured a cop who really yeah. dated Antifa, Blue Will Hunting. If good, if Goodwill Hunting was hunting the most dangerous game, which is uh, humans, <laughs> uh, Antifa humans. They live deep in a basement at home with their moms. Yeah! <laughs> I'm just gonna say, mom's basement. You knew mom's basement was gonna be featured here. So the plot thickens now because they're from Cambridge, which is the university area, and yet their mother's basements are in Cambridge. So maybe their moms are professors. Mm. Oh, oh, I like that. I like that idea. Well, the kids also have trust funds, though. So they're they're basement dwelling uh, anarchists with trust funds. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like trust fund kids who don't want to spend that money on like life. They just want to like they're being smart. Really, they're just trying to live with their mom as long as they can. And then you can use that money later on to like start a business. They read rules for radicals and make Molotov bombs. Uh, Neither of those things are true about Antifa. Yeah. And I think yeah, cocktail I, rhymes with radical better than bomb. Well, he's rhyming with moms here. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> can I just say that uh, this almost triggers me a little bit because you see this happen uh, on the right all the time is – they do not understand the difference between liberals and leftists. No, no. Like, I get it. Like, that's our educational system and that's our media. But Saul fucking Alinsky rules for radicals. It's the same thing that uh, Quillette got punked on when they had that fake construction worker from Queens, uh, Archie. Uh, he mentioned that he was a Marxist-Leninist, but also was into Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals, which you would never, ever, ever see. Marxist-Leninism, for all of its you know goods and bads, is not like Obama-style community organizing. Yeah, not at That's all. all. Yeah. No, yeah, rules for radicals is like, or Saul Alinsky has been a meme ever since uh, Obama's election, and it's just funny mm-hmm. to think of. Yeah, Hillary Clinton doing a dissertation on uh, I don't know uh, bombing public infrastructure. <laughs> you take one part kerosene, one part propane. Get a rag nice and oily. Guys, you're going to have to bleep that out. You don't want to give your <laughs> listeners the ingredients to Andy's uh, cocktail. <laughs> I'm just chilling in Exarchia. 
<laughs> I do. Lo- that is my favorite thing, though, because I, I have like made like inroads with some some like conservative peripheral friends when they'll like post something about like liberals, and I'm like, yeah, fuck them, right? And they're like, wait, what do you, what do you what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, yeah, like I also I also hate Joe Biden. And they're like, but but you're like, I'm like, I, it's cool, like don't worry. I, you, I hope you get it. Like you hate me more than them is what I'm trying to get you to say. Mm-hmm. Sounds like malarkey to me. Yeah, I don't know if these people like new actual radical material. Like this line would be like, uh, they listen to "Steal This Album" by System of a Down <laughs> and make Molotov bombs. Uh, they wear dark bandanas to cover their faces and gloves on their hands. Parentheses dot dot dot. So as not to leave traces. Smart. And as proof that our system is upsidey down, back on August 19th, they invaded downtown. They assaulted the elderly who stood with our flag, knocked down an old lady, and kicked her handbag. And they laughably claimed to be space dot 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 <laughs> quote anti-fascist question mark exclamation point question mark end quote. So boomer. While in Cambridge, they said Dr. Seuss was a space dot 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 quote Ray hyphen cyst question mark exclamation point question mark end quote. So boomer. I mean, yeah, yeah, like uh, that's that's not at all. Um, that, that's that's kind of what they think happened. They think that we like that, that, that anti-fascists like went and just beat up old people. So I, I looked up what august 19th was yeah and this this was the really big rally after charlottesville in boston where there's going to be like i forgot what it was it was a free speech rally or some bullshit with Bay stick man and uh you know it was like an alt-light thing and like thirty thousand people came to counter demonstrate because it was right after charlottesville yeah and it was um it was like at the moment was so tense at that point that even Trump or, you know, obviously someone working for Trump tweeted in support of that rally. And um, I guess there was a few arrests for disorderly content, uh, disorderly uh, conduct. Um, But uh, I'm not aware of what they're referring to here. Disorderly content. That sounds like what uh, we put out every week. Um, Seriously. Yeah, no, this this whole poem is a reaction to the counter demonstration to uh, a racist, you know, white nationalist free speech rally that was held a couple weeks after the Charlottesville. uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Murder. You know, Uh, the the Charlottesville riots, the battle. Um, where literal Nazis and, and white nationalists were marching, chanting Jews will not replace us. We all remember that. Uh, uh, Heather Heyer was killed. They decided to hold another free speech uh, rally in Boston. And like you said, uh, tens of thousands of people came out to counter protest, completely dwarfing uh, the alt-light. Most of the alt-light who was scheduled to show up did not show, be- mostly because of that organization effort. And, um, yeah, what pissed the cops off was the counter demonstration. That's why the cops are writing this poem, because they were aggrieved by the people protesting the white nationalists. What, what's really fascinating about that whole dynamic there is that 
as somebody who is an anti-fascist, um, <clears throat> I think I was extremely, extremely inspired by what happened in Boston, you know, that you know, f- few days after Charlottesville, because if your goal is, you know, not uh, assaulting elderly people or knocking down old ladies and kicking her- their handbags, if your goal as an anti-fascist is to shut down fascist activity, then what happened in Boston is nonviolently and in mass was way more inspiring than you know most other actions, which are minority actions on the street, because you actually reach this critical mass of tens of thousands of people, and that's what we should see. That's what we want to see. You know, when, when these fucking cretins pop out from under their rock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. The the reference to an old lady getting knocked down is because people were marching and some woman was like holding uh, her American flag like across the path of a bunch of people who were marching, and someone tried to grab it out of her hands or something, and uh, uh, she fell. And Fox News played that footage on a loop for like three hours. Mm, of course. But yeah, that's what uh, that's what animates the Boston police. It's not the the marching of white nationalists, the murder of an anti-fascist, uh, you know, IW member of IWW. Uh, it is people who counter protest those murderers and those racists. How about writing like a Christmas theme poem about something that happened in August? <laughs> <laughs> like everyone knows there's Christmas in July, but there's no Christmas in August. <laughs> That's uh, the dementia again. (laughs) (laughs) In Blueville, a Christmas tree to be lit after dark on the old Boston Common near Tremont and Park, staring up from Mom's basement, Mom's basement, with his antifan frown at the warm-lighted windows in the policeman's hometown. (laughs) They're hanging their stockings, he said with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. And he danced like a madman at a drug-induced, quote, rave, comma, end quote. Tight. That's awesome. As he left in a hurry from his basement like cave. I mean, that's just evocative imagery. Just, he's coming out of the basement. He's, he's dancing like he's at a rave because he's just so gleeful that Christmas is coming and he gets to ruin it. I mean, that's... Like, I have a strong mental image. Like, not all the writing here is good. Like, this is Dr. Seuss. Come on, don't say Boston Common near Tremont and Park. Like, make it magical. Mix it up a bit. I mean, Dr. Seuss is racist, but, like, you can take some of the good parts of his, of his work. Um, I, I actually will give them credit for the rhyme scheme and the cadence of this and like the, the syllables because it's all, it's all pretty well constructed. You know, the, the whole anti-fascist and racist thing is very weird. Um, rhyming tight with tight, no marks for that. Uh, but the cadence works really well. I haven't had to struggle through Mm -hmm. much of this. It's, it's the punctuation that's very funny. Um, but I, I like his basement-like cave in the basement of his mom's uh, trust-funded house. Is just yeah, it's it's very yeah. Oh, it's not a it's not a cave-like basement. It's a basement-like cave. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah, that's I didn't even pick yeah, that up. Yeah, his mom's basement is a basement-like cave. That's what Batman had, right? <clears throat> Anti-fascists would never live in a cave-like place. <laughs> Uh, and he texted and twittered as he called all his friends with the goal of achieving their dastardly ends. 
come Cambridge, come Brookline, come my buddies from Newton. We'll go down to the common and engage in some looting. <laughs> yeah, dog. That's uh, pretty good. You got to hand it to him. That part checks out. Grab your dirty bandanas and your smelly dark hat. Bring bottles of urine and a big wooden bat. We'll drown out their carols with our bullhorns Wait, and hold drumming. On a, hold on a second. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Bring bring bottles of urine? I mean, these poor kids, they were clearly, they had drug tests coming up. Of course, you always carry the urine, <laughs> yeah. you know, tied to your leg at all times. They're just being, you know, they have, they have foresight. Like, I don't like straight edge people. I just need them as friends so I can pass drug tests. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know when your uh, Antifa commander is going to do a spontaneous <laughs> urine test on yeah. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll drown out their carols with our bullhorns and drumming. They'll find out real quick that Christmas ain't coming. And he chuckled and laughed. What an anti-fan trick. With his bandana and hat, hyphen, I'm the anti-Saint Nick. I, I love this because... Cool. Like, this works against them, because I'm fucking pumped now. Like, this last little bit, I got stoked. Like, I want to go, like, I want to go start some shit at the Christmas parade. Like, I'm happy that the last, that it's been postponed for two weeks, because it's rained every Saturday. But I think it's happening this weekend, and you know what? I might fuck some shit up. We, I don't even know. I might show up to the in the parade with a bandana. I'm just hoping that Todd Phillips makes a gritty version of this poem. With blood. I like this for I'm I'm picturing Tony going up to the Redlands uh Christian Day Parade and saying like, Oh goody, oh oh greatness, oh fiddle dee dee, I'm going to <laughs> use this bottle of pee. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pour concrete into this cup and <laughs> and I will throw at that poor little boy Andy Nago. <laughs> <laughs> And I and I grin to myself. How delightfully clever! This uh, the tassels on this admiral's flag. I will sever. It's funny. Like I, I, I should be better at this because of like rap and stuff. But Doctor Shoes is a whole different thing. His science is too tight. Don't even try. <laughs> Final passage, but before the attack, as they stopped to smoke dope, they noticed the policemen were all armed with space dot 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 soap. Uh, I hate soap. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I fucking love like a group of Antifa getting ready to commit like acts of violence and rioting, just uh, smoking heroin beforehand to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, they noticed the policemen were all armed with soap. Uh, the, fi- the filth on their bodies, the crud in their hair, gave proof they'd not showered for over a year. They, <laughs> they all shrieked in horror, and they ran for the tea, uh, which I'm assuming is, like, the train. That's the Boston Metro, yeah. Yeah, it's either the train or the sweet gossip going on downtown. Well, it's interesting how they put the tea in scare quotes there. Yeah, you know, yeah, showing how often cops in Boston actually <laughs> ride public transportation. <laughs> Dropping backpacks, bandanas, and bottles of pee. The trust-funded pansies all dropped to the ground, and the cops scrubbed them up, and the cops scrubbed them down. <laughs> they screamed for their mommies. This they is where it gets hot. Their <laughs> they screamed all the way home to Wellesley Heights. 
but the trust-funded pukes with the rag-hidden faces who go home at night to rich, comfortable places won't take over our city without a good fight. So screw you, Antifa! Merry Christmas! Good night! In uh, blood-red font. Hell yes. Good night nice. to you, too. We will bathe you. I want to get bathed. Free baths on the comments. Yeah. You know, we don't always have to impugn, impute, um, I don't know, psychosexual tension to works of art. But I have to say, the cop's imagination, we're all of a sudden a bunch of, uh, let's say, like twinky and taut uh, young men are just all of a sudden, you know, stripped down in public. And there's just mm -hmm. a bunch of police officers around them, soaping them up and rubbing them down. It's pretty, uh, Andy said evocative before. I think that's very, very evocative Absolutely. of the psyche. Yeah. I tried to watch this video, but that was like that was for premium subscribers. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get to that one. That one's not free. I don't. Yeah, I get as we know, these people like, yeah, they're called Antifa, but their actual name is Pantifa, uh, because they're all wearing <laughs> panties. And so, yeah, you have to imagine that part as well when they get stripped down by the Boston cops. Uh, they're all wearing panties like little pansy girls, uh, just getting viciously out of their like scrubbed up and down tight pants, one ball. Very evocative. <laughs> it's it's almost like it kind of reminds me how you know you read a Kafka story and you think this is like kind of uncanny. Like this must have come to him in a dream. Like there's <laughs> there's too much here to just like simply make up off the top of your yeah. head. There's mm -hmm. this is inspired. Is yeah, what I'm absolutely. Somebody at least had to meditate on it for a while. You know, I could I could see a few feverish nights uh, in their own basement, uh, just banging away at this, clack clapping away at their sticky sticky keyboards. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is this does like resemble a fugue state. For one thing, it's like a children's <laughs> poem in the Boston Police Union magazine, which uh, I don't even think adults read, you know. But it's also filled with just these like contradictory non-Euclidean plot points and descriptors, like you know, Lovecraftian. These, yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherworldly geometry or just impossible physics of being both a cave-like basement and a basement-like cave, uh, being a a trust-funded kid who who lives in a, in like the sewer and has filthy hair and a dirty yeah. rag on his face. Um, like even the worst rich people bathe. <clears throat> This is like, yeah, he, he lives in a rich, comfortable, dark, dank, sewer-like basement. And it's... It, There's a Dickensian element to it, or like Frank McCord or something like that. And it just goes into like, you know, these Antifa, this, this enemy, this other, this scapegoat, or whatever, you know, you would call them. Uh, they, they're everything at all times. They're whatever they need to be for the purposes of whatever rhetorical exercise or whatever propagandistic exercise you're... Uh, doing at the moment so they can just be all these things simultaneously you know it much much like a, a dream or much like a fever induced hallucination um and i love pitting antifa against christmas right because like antifa against fascism anti-fascist but you know hey most people don't like fascism or I, a lot of people don't like fascism you know even in this far-right country we live in um, so we got to make uh, fascism something else in this story. We got to make it something good like Christmas. God, these Antifans, they just want to ruin uh, Christmas. Like, they're like the annoyed, but worse. I love how they've like somehow um, made Santa like a heroic character who gives away presents for free. 
like who like goes around and gives kid like, presents to anybody who's a kid like presents for free and like that's not very um that's not very like, capitalist of them like that's not very like uh that's not in their lane that santa's a sucker to them well, there's probably been a lot of stuff written about, uh, I don't know, Santa Claus and, and capitalism, but I think it's actually pretty smart. You invent this, like, hero who gives away ch uh, presents to every child, and in order to actually, like, realize that heroic act, you are forced to buy goods and services, or, you know, with, with money. Hold on. I know we have a lot of listeners who are children. Um, Santa Claus is not made up. Uh, Santa Claus is very real. Just a little disclaimer. Santa Claus is a white man. I didn't say that. I never said that. Santa Claus is racist. I, I <laughs> might have thought that. But yeah, so just think about that. We're not gonna we're not gonna like shit on Santa Claus here, okay? My kid listens to every episode. It's it's interesting what you were saying about uh this this myth of uh Santa Claus because uh Alexander you were you were saying because uh, actually I, I do a history as a weapon series on Antifada and the next one is going to be about these sort of, I won't go Jungian, right? But there is something in our collective psyche uh, that spans time that there's this vision of a utopia of um, consumption without production. Big Rock Candy Mountain is like that. And in a sense, Santa is like that. Mm -hmm. And it acts as this sort of safety valve, right? In a world where there is artificial scarcity you know of almost everything it's this one moment out of the entire year where people can do almost like a like a potlatch they can just give and the amount that you give to other people is actually the sign of prestige as opposed to how much you can actually consume and accumulate for yourself so i think it does a lot of sort of collective psychological work for us in western culture to have this character and have this moment you know that is quasi non-capitalist uh you know it's, it's about this this festival of consumption and a world without scarcity yeah that's very interesting it's also possible that uh i think it's possible that clement clark carnell is also a socialist or like a actually an ultra left communist who just has a left communist critique of antifa and is using the motif of a communist santa to show how antifa has a tendency to uh attack the, the proletariat, other elements of the proletariat, instead of attacking the capitalist state itself. Oh, also very interesting. Are you always as generous or is it just the holiday spirit? <laughs> it's just a fun poem. I don't know. I can't be too offended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the Christmas poem equivalent of uh, Sallow, you know, the, <laughs> the famous Italian film. You, you watch it to be horrified and you read this to just feel something different. You yeah, know? yeah. A hundred days of Sodom. So in true right-wing fashion, in true, like, uh, meat-headed, violent cop fashion, uh, there is an afterword that just drops the playful, like, children's story. Uh, and it's, uh, it's very interesting. I'm just going to run through it here. Strange thing, though, if the idiot college kids and the others who participated in the melee took time to rub two of their brain cells together, they would have quickly <laughs> learned that the, quote, Nazis they were desperately looking for were right next to them, with them, and behind them, wearing bandanas, kerchiefs, and black clothes, goading them to act, but they were too stupid to know it. Uh, George Orwell predicted and knew all about the birth of the Antifa movement long before it was actually formed. 
Orwell in his famous <laughs> books, 1984 and Animal Farm. Uh, maybe people haven't heard of those. Uh, we'll go on to explain what they are right here. Uh, wrote about <laughs> doublespeak, thought control, and how to manipulate people into action or in- inaction through fear and coercion. Antifa, which allegedly means anti-fascist, is in fact the epitome, the definition of fascism itself. Strong-arm violence and intimidation by lawless groups seeking to impose their will on the silent majority. The silent majority with a fucking published magazine, you know. I haven't seen it in stores. So this is uh, this is a meme right here. This is a very common meme that God, if George Orwell could see what uh, the left is doing today on CNN, uh, he would be spinning in his grave. Be absolutely horrified. Do I do I have to make the point on the podcast that I've made like hundreds of times on Twitter and our podcast that, that George Orwell, Orwell was literally anti? He was literally <laughs> anti. He literally went to Spain to fight in the international brigades. A uh, bunch of Marxists uh, in order to to fight. Anyways, you know, I, I'm I'm sure your listeners know. Isn't that weird? Like it it, it it's so bizarre that they, they 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 use him every once in a while for that. Like as just like this like totem of like you know um of. You guys know this guy was right, so we're going to go ahead and say he's on our side. But if you do any type of research at all, it backfires in your face. I don't know. I I would love to see some um some sort of strategy where they try to use like John Brown for like anti racism for, for oh, wow. just, like to like push like racism, you know? Well, I don't know. I think they love it I mean, because Dr. there's Seuss was... there's a lot. Sorry, there's a lot of language. Like there's a lot of I don't know movement of language going on right now. Uh, you know. It, terms of like what's politically correct or how the culture is changing and an easy way to like criticize uh changing social norms is just to say that oh it's double speak it's just to say that oh uh you know that's that's orwellian language to say that tolerance means i have to serve gay people god george orwell would not like this one which in itself is double speak like like in it like that in order to do this, they are performing double speak to you know to do it. But yeah, anyways, I don't think they know it though. But yeah, anti-fascism is fascism is literally double speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, ex- actually, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Dr. Seuss. I don't know if he was like a socialist or anything, but a lot of his his books had these egalitarian themes. I, he, I think he was a refugee from uh, Nazi Germany, and um, like Horton hears the Who has this kind of concept of like a. A, a forgotten minority group who's being destroyed by I don't I, I forgot I haven't read these books since I was a kid uh, but there's like the Great Butter Battle which is clearly anti-war and uh, the Lorax the book about the turtle and the turtle is obviously Hitler I mean well, I think Dr. Seuss was also an anti-fascist he he also put out like um, a, a series of comics that were like that that were actually about um, about the the genocide happening in Germany. Uh, painting America as like somebody turning, you know, uh, turning their backs to what's actually the atrocities happening over there. Um, what's yeah. funny though is like that that same thing has happened to where they have painted um, like Hitler. Is, I'm sorry, they have painted um, Dr. Seuss as somebody who was like pro Hitler, even though he was very anti Hitler and was like very um, pro American involvement in the war um, to the point where like my uh, my my daughter's mom, who's a preschool teacher, was like, hey, like, I, I they wanted to do, like, Doc Shoes Day, but I, I couldn't remember. Is he, like, a racist or not? 
And I was like, no, he's cool. Like, don't worry. Like, rock with it. It's fine. She's like, okay, cool. Because I want you to like say something or not. But it's it's working. Like saying that Dr. Seuss is a racist is working. Well, like, I think he was. He probably was a racist to, to some degree. But he also like did have anti-Nazi, pro-refugee comics. He didn't meat. put out racist comics. He put out like, he, yeah, he might have been like in his personal life or whatever. I don't know that part of him. But like he his like comics themselves and like, his like illustrations themselves weren't like um, inherently racist. They were actually like, you know pro uh like you know they're pro jew like basically like, to, to sum it up i, I read that because I, I looked up if it's true that anyone has ever called dr seuss racist because that's what it says in the, the the poem and uh apparently he did have like some anti-asian racial characters in like his very early stuff um but he grew out of that they were in the same they were in the same comics that were like um they were in the same oh, okay. comics that were uh the, the world war ii comics where he did definitely portray Japanese soldiers in a very racist caricature. Mm. Um, a very a very common thing at the time. I mean, not something yeah. you should celebrate, but no. Dr. Seuss wouldn't be worse than most other comics doing, like, American war propaganda, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and I, this is just, it's so mad. This afterword here is just uh, so mad, and it, it keeps going, and then it talks about, I think, probably... Uh, the best part here, uh, the most pertinent part is, um, lost in the anonymity of, cr of the crowd, people will resort to whatever they can get away with. Mad dogs and mobs can sense indecision and weakness. So, uh, once again, these are these, um, these are these wussy, uh, coddled, just total wimp Antifas who are actually mad dogs in mobs of crowds who will strip you limb from limb if you allow them to. This is such a cop vision of humanity, right? Totally. I mean, this is, I'm not sure if these people end up being cops or if cops, you know, start to gain this worldview. I'm sure it's some combination thereof. But like, man, to think of humanity in such a bleak fucking way is just, it's depressing. It's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Another passage here is the only way to defeat these savages is to fight fire with fire. Good can and must be allowed to defeat evil, uh, but kind words and kisses are no match for strong-arm violence and lawlessness. So these Antifa twig boys are strong-arming the public with violence. <laughs> um, and we've talked about this a lot on the show. Um, a lot of these memes and a lot of these screeds and a lot of these delusions that are in the mind of the right wing do just seem to exist in order to justify a future... Uh, future acts of violence against minority mm -hmm. or left uh, groups. It's they just serve to like offer justification in the mind of people willing to commit acts of violence. Because if you've been told by the police that, or by Andy No or whatever that uh, Antifa is a violent, ruthless mob, you know, attacking women and children, then of course you're justified in in quote defending yourself from them. When, when I see this overheated rhetoric and I thought again you know, about it reading this, it makes me wonder if uh, these fucking ghouls realize the sort of hatred that they're inciting and the real consequences of it. Because you're right, this is the sort of rhetoric and this is the sort of scaremongering that leads to like horrific, horrific things like pogroms and, uh, you know, attacks on marginalized people. And honestly, like not to to get too crazy with it but like shit like civil strife and like street warfare when you yeah. dehumanize people to this extent yeah. and i will also say i don't want to be i don't want to go too deep on this too but the way that 
Antifa is described in this, right? Being at the on the one hand very weak and kind of a feat and uh, uh, devious on the one hand, but also being super powerful and strong and dangerous on the other is a classically uh, anti-Semitic trope. Yeah, mm. it yeah. is like structurally anti-Semitic because that's exactly how you know in classic anti-Semitic propaganda going back 130 years, the Jews are you know on the one hand uh, powerless but also most powerful. Yeah. So Antifa, they're trying to do the same thing essentially with uh, you know a, a loose network of individuals all across the country, and it's fucking scary. Oh yeah, it's, it's horrifying. And to, to talk about double speak right here, this passage i mean it's it's explicit calls for violence is already like you know offensive and worrisome enough uh but just the the double speak here of well antifa's doing violence for no reason they're they're not responding to any other acts of aggression they're not defending themselves from anybody but since they are doing violence then we're forced to do some violence against them and it's just i mean i don't know how a sensible person can look at like what quote Antifa has done, which is, you know, uh, given a black eye to a couple like fascist collaborators versus what like the state police have done, you know, state, state police forces <laughs> have done and think that Antifa is the one who started it. Yeah. They, they spell it out pretty explicitly. They say the only way to defeat these savages is to fight fire with fire. Mm -hmm. And then they explain that the fire is, uh, Strong arm violence and lawlessness. Yeah. Nobody hates the law more than a cop. Yep. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Very true. Also, if, if there are any of those um, trust fund Antifas out there, like, I just want to stress that there is no, like, limit for um, the Minion Death Cult <laughs> Patreon or the Antifada <laughs> Patreon. If you guys want to go ahead and kick us down some cash, we're good with that. We, we, would, we would gladly take that trust fund Antifas. A hundred percent. Trust fund and T fans, you know, you know where we're at. Yeah, yeah. We we will. I mean, we'll kick you down a shirt. I we'll we'll figure something out. We'll set up a private. Um, what do you call it? Uh, one of those sessions called auditing session with you. Yeah. You know, yeah. In our uh, our welcome center in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy needs some tight pants. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving on here, uh, I'm going to read from a very interesting article. Okay, this article uh, comes from again 2017. I guess I guess we're going back to that year, but it recently came across my desk, uh, and it's just so wonderful, and I had to share it. Uh, I think the listener will enjoy it. This is an article from the National Catholic Register, which I believe uh, we was also covered recently uh, on this show. I don't remember what we were talking about, Tony. Do you remember what that was? We were just talking. We were just oh, on no, the National Catholic Register. No, you're getting NCR confused with MCR, and you were talking about the reunion. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were just really excited. You were you personally, Alexander, was very excited about the uh, My Chemical Romance reunion. Yeah, that band and, uh, I love that I'm not two that, years old to be super into. Yeah, that band you're very very into, and um, you you did spend a lot. Of, you're going to spend a lot of money to go see them. That's what you're thinking of. But no, uh, NCR, yeah, they did come up recently. Okay, cool. Uh, the, the article, the headline is, Bernie Sanders says Christians need not apply for public office. Um, so, wow, this is like shocking stuff. Um, need not apply. He said that. That's insane. Even if he was, you know, uh, even if he is anti-Christian, it's incredible that he would evoke like, you know, Jim Crow era language to describe <laughs> this thing. You'd think that he would know enough to know how bad that would sound regardless. 
Uh, but no, mm-hmm. apparently, I mean, this headline, Bernie Sanders says Christians need not apply for public office. Which, again, like, I, it's supposed to, like, make people mad, but it got me really stoked. <laughs> we killed Jesus and we'll do it again? <laughs> <laughs> Be- before I even read the article, I, I, I sent him five bucks just right then and there. <laughs> uh, the subheadline is... 99% a... of the political offices are held by 1% <laughs> of the Christians. <laughs> we must stop it immediately. I propose a public office for all. Jews program, which I will implement <laughs> in my first days of office. Vote Bernie Sanders. A stunning anti-Christian stance taken by Democrats. This is written by uh, somebody named Matthew Archbold. This isn't only unconstitutional, it's scary. It seems like you can add public office to the list of jobs Christians are no longer allowed to do, which already includes baker, photographer, wedding planner, as well as others. Which is so fucking false. Like, yeah. that's like every wedding photographer is a Christian. <laughs> every single one. Like, they're all, they're all like, I don't know if you have Instagram, but every single one is like a wedding <laughs> photographer. It's crazy. Um, I like how it's uh, baker, photographer, wedding planner, as well as others. Uh, and there's no like hyperlinks to any anything to explain what he's talking about. We all kind of know, yeah, though, at like, all. right? You mm-hmm. know. The, the gay couple tried to make uh, those Christians bake a cake of, like, pedophilia on it. And uh, the Christians were like, no, we do not believe in pedophilia because we are good Christians. And the, and the gay couple said, well, that's the way things are now and there's nothing you can do about it. There was that other thing that happened in Arkansas where, uh, you know, three men walked in and they wanted a wedding cake for all three of them and their dog to get married. And the woman <laughs> said, no, no, we don't do that at this at this bakery. And then the guys are like, well, this is America now, bitch, and shot her in the face. And then they won the lawsuit. Yeah. This is what America's come yeah. to. And now they own the bakery. Now they have the And bakery. that's not only unconstitutional, but that's it's scary. During a confirmation hearing for Russell Vought, who is President Trump's nominee for Deputy Director of the Office of Management and Budget, Senator Bernie Sanders had some harsh words relating to a piece Vought wrote, a piece defending his alma mater. Once again, I feel like I'm going crazy reading these articles from Minion Death Cult, because they're just like missing syntax or uh, weird phrases. Wheaton College, a Christian institution for firing a professor who expressed solidarity with Muslims. Okay, let me read that again. Jesus Christ. Senator Bernie Sanders had some harsh words relating to a piece Vought wrote a piece defending his alma mater, Wheaton College, a Christian institution for firing a professor who expressed solidarity with Muslims. Okay, so uh, the Russell Vought defended his alma mater for firing a professor who uh, stood with Muslims. Okay. In that piece, he yeah. wrote, quote, Muslims do not simply have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned. Right. So you can't have a job here because you're a Muslim and you've been condemned by our God. Sanders took issue with that, saying, quote, In my view, the statement made by Mr. Vaught is indefensible, it is hateful, it is Islamophobic, and it is an insult to over a billion Muslims throughout the world. During his harsh questioning, I'm just waiting for him to say, like, you're not allowed to be, uh, you're not allowed to be deputy director of the office and management and budget, because you're Christian, uh, During his harsh questioning of Vaught, he pressed him on whether he believed his comments on Islam were Islamophobic. 
Are you suggesting that all those people stand condemned? He asked angrily. What about Jews? Do they stand condemned too? Vought attempted to answer, saying, Senator, I am a Christian. But Sanders interrupted. Just didn't care. I understand that you are a Christian, but this country is made up of people who are not just. I understand that Christianity is the majority religion, he said, but there are other people who have different religions in this country and around the world. In your judgment, do you think that people who are not Christians are going to be condemned? Uh, clearly uncomfortable, Vought attempted to clarity that he believes that, quote, all individuals are made in the image of God and are worthy of dignity and respect, regardless of their religious beliefs. Uh, except for being that's in the constitution yeah except for being a professor <laughs> at, at your alma mater apparently you're, you're, you can't yeah. do that and sympathize with muslims then after a little more blustering and posturing sanders stunningly concluded i would simply say mr chairman that this nominee is not really some is really not someone who is what this country is supposed to be about Amazingly, Senator Chris Van Holland of Maryland added, I'm a Christian, but part of being a Christian, in my view, is recognizing that there are lots of ways that people can pursue their God. <laughs> no one is questioning your faith. It's your comments that suggest a violation of the public trust in uh, what will be a very important position. So I don't know. I mean, there's only uh, one more paragraph here. Now, to be clear, nobody is suggesting that he's treated anybody poorly. There's no allegation that he treated anyone of any religion improperly. So what we have here is two senators berating a would-be public servant for holding what's a pretty mainstream Christian view. To repeat, this is for heading the Office of Management and Budget, which doesn't have a whole lot to do with theology. What we're seeing here is a position being taken by numerous senators that Christians need not apply for public office. Okay, there's the quote. There it is. Because being a Christian who believes that Jesus is the sole road to salvation makes you unfit for office. This is nothing short of stunning. Totalitarianism tolerance is the new tolerance, and diversity <laughs> means, quote, <laughs> fall in line or else. This writer must have been reading Orwell. A couple things um, I need to just point out about this article. Uh, first of all, it, it, it's, it comes from a Catholic website. Um, which just kind of shows where like American Christianity and Catholicism is now at this point. Where if you go back to like the sixties and seventies, um, first of all, like in the sixties and seventies, uh, as far as American Christians were involved, like uh, involved Muslims didn't exist, and the worst people in the world were were Catholics. <laughs> and like 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 JFK being elected was a huge fucking deal, and they tried to like smear him as like some sort of like heathen for being Catholic. Um, second of all. I live in a town in in California called Redlands, California, um, which is these things have been really uh, it's really been really difficult for me lately because I went to my kids' uh, holiday program, uh, which I was like shocked that was only Christmas songs. Now they didn't say Jesus in the songs, but they were only Christmas songs. Comes to find out, Redlands is one of the only cities in California, and one of the only cities in America that allows public schools to do only Christmas songs during the holiday program. <laughs> um, and then today I was walking downtown, um, walking downtown where they have a speaker system set up now where they play exclusively Christmas songs and not just Christmas songs, not secular Christmas songs, but ones like exclusively about Christmas. And this is only because turns out um, our, uh, our city council and our mayor and everything else is extremely Christian, um, yeah. which allows these wild ass things to happen. And um, I, I kind of, I, like I knew, I knew it was bad, 
you know, because I, I do go to city council meetings every once in a while. I, I, I am, like, loosely involved, whatever. But I didn't realize how fucking bad it was until I went to the program and was walking down the street and I heard Jesus coming over the loudspeakers. I'm like, yeah, Christians need not apply. You're fucking shit up. Um, yeah, Redlands is... Do you live in that town from... Is that the town from Edward Scissorhands? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, if you, the, it kind of is. When we talk about Catholics, uh, you know, you mentioned JFK and how, you know, controversial Catholicism has been in the past. You know, oftentimes when we think of theocracy in the United States, we think of these, you know, Southern Baptist megachurch ministers, these Protestants. But there is something unique about uh right-wing Catholicism that's like uniquely perverted and fucking gross and fucked up and as I think about it I think it's because Catholicism has like an international hierarchy global you know it's global exactly thanks you know it's like there are conspiracy theories around it people do call people papists because they literally do have like a network across the entire world that they actually can influence and like hold power as they have for like 1500 years in various different ways so like left-wing Catholicism Catholicism can be really beautiful, but right-wing Catholicism, holy shit, that's fucking scary, man. And you're being very generous by saying left-wing Catholicism can be beautiful. But yes. Oh no, I'm not I'm not I'm not anti-religion per se. I think that actually some really nice like you were referring to liberation theology. You know, I think that's all well and good and you know, certainly in Latin America and South America, you know, during those times, there are a lot of good people doing some good work. And the Catholic worker. Totally. The Catholic totally. worker too. Totally. I just I just grew up in the Catholic Church, and uh, so um, even like even like the most like liberal Catholics are still got a ways to go. But yeah, but you're right though. They they there is some good work happening, and I don't want to, you know, um, I don't want to necessarily smear like feeding the homeless. Let me jump in and 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 make clear what I was talking about because I wasn't talking about merely just like Christian good works, but uh, what the this international authoritarian, hierarchical, right-wing Catholic Church, which is global, was doing in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, where they were trying to suppress uh, priests and lay people within the Catholic Church who were trying to combine Marxism, essentially, with Catholicism. And that's, I'm not talking about, like, the do-good, like, liberal Catholic priest that, you know, lives in your small town. I'm talking about, like, actual, like, radicals who are helping to organize peasants and often hiding arms for them, you know, as they try to do guerrilla combat against the Contras and shit. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Okay, let's get into comments here. Uh, The comments are are pretty good. This was posted into uh, the Drain the Swamp Facebook group, as well as the QAnon one of the QAnon Facebook groups I'm in. Um, and just, yeah, I got a, got a real good response. Bernie Sanders said Christians need not apply for public office. Shirley Sa- uh, Sav- Savaglio says, Kiss my big white patriot ass, Bernie. Uh, Shirley clearly doesn't know anything about millennials because I'm down, Shirley. I'm fucking down. Shirley, Shirley Savaglio confirmed pog. <laughs> Shirley, I will do more than kiss that ass. Uh, um, yeah. All right. Very, no, need, very intimate, no so. not allowed What's to up? be horny on the show, Tony. <laughs> uh, That's a new rule, and um, I'm going to have to think about my future on the show. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Shirley is definitely a patriotic ass white girl. Uh <laughs> John Reed says Go pound sand You nasty communist Semite 
which damn the hundred days that shook the world is over (laughs) so i my brain is like so fundamentally damaged by the internet that i thought this was already like the bernie is anti-semitic thing coming up uh because you know he's friends with ilhan omar or uh linda sarscore um or he has like a, a modicum of sympathy for palestinians so I thought this, I read this quickly and thought he was calling him an anti-Semite. And then I remembered, oh no, he's just calling him a Jew. <laughs> just yeah. calling him a Semite. Uh, Beverly Roberts uh, posted this into the QAnon Follow the White Rabbit group. Uh, and Nutsen Torkel. <laughs> uh definitely a real name <laughs> carefully you don't torkel your nuts in when you're riding your bike <laughs> nuts in k-n-u-t-s-o-n nuts and torkel says i want to say so many bad words for jews at this but won't oh thank you nuts you're, you're a good person for not using those awful slaves <laughs> thank you for your reservation that's called self-discipline yeah. <laughs> it's called tact okay um yeah i love this i want to say so many bad words for jews at this but won't um so yeah but i won't do it i'm not gonna do there aren't even that many bad words about jews there's like one or two or three or four or five (laughs) i mean that that's that's what you the common you know not anti-semite would think (laughs) they're like nuts and torkels like i want to say so many bad words for jews at this but won't so here's just one and it starts with a k (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i'll limit it One's allowed. Uh, Sonny Nix says about Bernie, he's just another antichrist trying to get into office as president so he can destroy America and make it part of the one world order and one world religion, the beasts of revelations. Uh, you know, you know how the Bible talks about all those antichrists. Yeah, he's just <laughs> just another in a long string of antichrists trying bum, trying to bumble their way into office. It's the real reason we haven't actually had an antichrist in office yet is because of Three Stooges syndrome, where they all try to get in the Oval Office at once, uh, and they bump heads and they get stuck in the doorway, uh, and that thwarts them for at least one term. If anybody's if anybody's seen the Omen, which is about the antichrist. Please just tell me Pete Buttigieg is not the fucking Antichrist, if there's any out there, okay? Doing the High Hopes dance, screaming, it's all for you, Pete! (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, though, calling calling him the Antichrist is really just Obama erasure, and I don't like that. (laughs) Antichrist can be of many different colors and persuasions and ethnicities, speak many different languages. Yeah, I mean, the Antichrist supposedly will be beloved, right? And what, Bernie Sanders has the highest approval rating of anybody in office right now? (laughs) Um, I, I just love that, like, he's just another Antichrist. <laughs> like, I'm picturing... I'm picturing lo- Nothing special here, folks. Yeah, I'm picturing, like, a Ronald Reagan looking at the Antichrist and saying, here you go again. <laughs> I, sir, knew Beelzebub, and you are no Beelzebub. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love, like, the whole, like, Antichrist speak, because, I mean, I'm not... I'm like not you know a believer in what the Antichrist would be, um, or anything. But like, if there were to be an Antichrist, like it's like come on, It'd be a big it's deal. Obviously, Donald Trump. Okay. Like that's pretty obvious. Like that's like the, the, these 
charismatic, like people like him for some reason. I mean, but it's way better when he's, you know, ethnic. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know if he's the Antichrist or not, but I'm going to vote for Sanders LeBay 2020 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I just love, I love the phrase so much. He's just another Antichrist. And because it's like, it sort of betrays how like little these people give even their own insane thoughts, like how mm-hmm. how much credence they even give themselves. Like the Antichrist would be a pretty big deal, right? If if it were, but just, yeah, it's just big, another Antichrist, a huge fucking deal. Like she's already accepted that her words are absolutely meaningless. And just like oh, yeah. just another Antichrist, just another apocalypse upon us. Nothing to see. It reminds here. me of in a. It reminds me of in Jesus Christ Superstar when when Judas is singing about Jesus, but it has to be in this kind of like rock and roll, like, you know, kind of distant, ironic way. And he's like, ah, they think Jesus is so cool. He's not that cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Last comment here. Uh, And this, you know, every now and then I get a challenging comment and I really do appreciate it. And I I believe this is going to be one of those. Rosalie Dawson says, ha, 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 ha. I think you need to talk that over with almighty God because he is the sovereign God of Israel and America. Believe it or not, end parentheses, space hyphen, the United States of America is one nation under almighty God, period. Socialism, hyphen, progressive, hyphen, communism will not rule in America, period. God said it, hyphen, I believe it, that settles it. AOC and hyphen, the squad of five will fall with you. Father God left us letters, a book of instructions. If you don't read it, you're you're not going to know what's going on. The Bible, hyphen, hyphen, is the answer, slash, not the car, hyphen, on. <laughs> I like how uh, Sanders is just another antichrist, and the Bible apparently is just, you know, some letters from God. It's nice. That's it, yeah. Like a like yeah. a hallmark, uh, a series of hallmark uh, cards from God to you. Dear humans, how was your day? Raining here in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, not 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 to be that that guy, but like, isn't that like there is a book in the Bible that is supposed to basically be letters from God? Um, I think it's basically like Psalms is basically just like all inspired letters from God, and it's like that already exists. Like, that's not the whole thing. Like, what do you? At least get your shit correct. At least try. Isn't one of those erotica? Yeah, the song of song of songs, right? <laughs> Most of them are erotica. God's being horny on Maine. <laughs> yeah, Psalms is real horny. The only letter from God I acknowledge is the Dear John letter he wrote us. I don't know about two two millennia ago when he stopped giving a shit. <laughs> um, we were on a we 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 did a we did a um, a podcast. Um, uh, the is it. The Violet Wanderers, and uh, they had a game where you had to pick whether it was a porno or a psalm, and it was actually mm. hard. Oh yeah, it was it was actually difficult because that's how horny psalms is. <laughs> um, and you're wondering like why did uh, Rosalie bring up the car the car apostrophe on uh, when Bernie Sanders is like you know 
Jewish, like everybody has been yelling at him in the rest of this thread. Um, and it's because uh, he's the Antichrist, right? He's also the Antichrist. And um, the god of uh, Islam is the moon god, which means the devil. So that is who Muslims worship. They worship the devil, which is the moon god. Uh, and since Bernie Sanders is the Antichrist, ipso facto, uh, he's Islamic. I, I wonder how, like, like, I don't know. It's one of those things. I know it's just, like, semantics and we know these things. But how bummed some Christians would be if they were to actually kind of get a little bit of education on the Quran. Like, just, like, a little bit. They would be so bummed if they realized, like, no, like, they're they're talking about, like, the same God. It's just, like, it's the other main players they have disputes about. Um, like, I don't know. They... they, they the Quran's so generous when it comes to like, nah. Jesus was like he was a person. He was like he existed. He was, he was cool. He was fine, but he wasn't like, like Jesus was like um, one of the peripheral characters in Wu Tang. <laughs> you know, like he was like Red Man. Like Red Man's very important, but he's not part of Wu Tang. But he was a prophet, right? In in Islam, exactly. He was a, just like Red Man. He was a prophet, but wasn't part of the team. <laughs> he was not an act. He wasn't. He, he wasn't part of like the the grand cast. But he was a prophet. Yeah. yeah. So like the Old Testament is like thirty six chambers, and then the New Testament in Christianity <laughs> is like how high? <laughs> and ODB died for our sins. <laughs> yes, ODB is ODB is 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 Jesus for sure. But you know who doesn't think Jesus is a prophet, even a little bit. Is the Jews <laughs> facts? Jews do not think too much about Jesus. So, I think it says like Jew, like Jesus was a clout chaser, and that's all he was. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, there is like one Talmudic, uh, maybe one or two like texts that refer to Jesus. I don't know if it's the Talmud or whatever, but like ancient Jewish scripture. And uh, one is just like, yeah, there's this wizard named Jesus. <laughs> He's a, he does magic yeah. tricks and people think he's the Messiah, but he's not. So don't worry. <laughs> Which is such a like well, that's way cooler. Like I'm way more down for just wizard Jesus. <laughs> oh yeah, he was clearly a wizard. Well, that's how um, you know we we we've been led to believe that uh, you know Jesus wasn't white uh, because he was you know born in the Middle East or whatever. But actually, once uh, he used to be non-white, but then when he resurrected, he came back as Jesus the White. Yeah. Oh yes, 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 absolutely. That's, this is what Mormonism believes. They believe that Jesus came to America, fought off some like goblin giants, and uh, became a blue-eyed uh, white yeah, man he, he, in Kansas yeah. or whatever. He he fought the Balrog and came back as white Jesus. <laughs> yeah. All right, hey, that's the episode. Hey, thanks so much, guys, for uh, for joining the show. Loved having you on. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was a pleasure. Thanks. How do people listen to the Antifada? Go ahead and plug your stuff. Oh, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the Antifada, or you can find us on any podcast app. We would very much appreciate your listens and appreciate even more uh, your patronage if you're if, it, if you're able to do that at this time. You can follow me, Sean, at talentedvoter at twitter.com and follow Andy at spacepro. Hell yeah. Thanks, That's guys. It. I don't think that any of our, our listeners are like suckers that aren't listening to you, but if, you're, if you are a sucker that's not listening to you guys... The last two main episodes, uh, the A Cab with Alex Vitale and the one on tune on on Roger Rabbit, are both fucking bangers. And um, oh, if you need so a gateway drug, they're both so fucking good. Um, it's an easy way to get in. Uh, pretty much every episode. 
I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm a 98% like every single episode's a banger. Oh, oh yeah, thank you, oh, yeah. thank you, absolutely. Yeah, and if you want to give us money and get a bonus episode every week, you can go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash minion death cult for three bucks a month. You get a bonus episode every week. For five bucks a month, you get that bonus episode and a pack of stickers and various goodies. We're gonna try to get out to you guys once the uh, holiday rush is over. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate your support. Thanks to everybody who has signed up. Uh, we love you, folks. Uh, follow us uh, at Minion Death Cult on your social media feeds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join the Facebook group, uh, Minion Death Commandos. Uh, we'd love to talk to you there. We're in that group all the time. Lots of fun stuff, camaraderie, and also a lot of vile shit. You know, the kind of stuff we talk about on this show. Uh, but it's a good time nonetheless. Uh, email us, too, if you want, at MinionDeathCult at gmail.com. Uh, I believe that's it. So uh, thanks, thanks to everybody for listening, and uh, happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs>